My name's Izzy. I'm a playwright and a songwriter, and I'm lowercase sober. I'll define that in a few minutes, but first, a few housekeeping items. Full disclosure, I am not an alcohol counselor. I'm not an addict. I'm not an expert in recovery by any means. I am just a person in her 20s who, because of many reasons, had to give up drinking. And it's weird and super isolating, but I know I'm not the only person going through this, so I decided to make this podcast. This is part one of something bigger. I'm not sure what the shape of the rest of the project will be, but these three episodes will delve into my relationship with alcohol, my sobriety, and I'll also touch on our culture's relationship with alcohol. Finally, a content warning. I'm going to talk about sexual harassment, sexual assault, browning and blacking out, alcohol use, and big emotions like anxiety, grief, and stress. Also, because this is the first episode, this message is for my mom, who thankfully knows a lot of this stuff already. Hi! Sorry, I'm about to tell a bunch of strangers on the internet my personal business. Maybe, though, someone listening won't feel so alone after hearing what I'm about to say. Love you. I'll probably call you later. All of that being said, let's get into it. The last drink I had was in summer of 2019. Here's what happened that day. I was out with friends. I had like four, maybe five drinks over the course of the night, coupled with water. I think they were like gin and tonics. Maybe one was a Diet Coke and whiskey. I woke up the next day really early and could not keep anything down. I threw up everything. Water, Advil. My friends were very helpful. We were in a city strange to all of us, so it was just generally stressful. It got especially stressful when it became clear to me and everyone I was with that I definitely was severely dehydrated and needed to go see a doctor. I went to the emergency room. It was a Saturday or a Sunday or urgent care wasn't open or was too far away. Something made us choose the hospital. It was a quiet emergency room. It was me and two other people, maybe. In my hometown, the emergency rooms are always chaos, so it struck me as really odd. But then I just threw up again and forgot about it. My friends stayed with me. Stranded, really, because it was my car we drove in, and I don't let other people drive it, even when I'm literally in the hospital. It's one of my hard and fast rules. The doctor saw me relatively quickly, pumped me full of anti-nausea meds and fluids. I took a nap. I looked like a mess. I charged my phone. I would end up forgetting my charger at the hospital. One of my friends acted as my patient advocate, for which I am eternally grateful. Because, as she knew and as she told the doctor... The complication of this day was, this was not the first time I had had this reaction. I'd ended up close to this state in the past after one drink or two. And as I explained that to the doctor, he grimaced and told me I had alcohol poisoning, told me to take it easy, told me college life has its consequences, or something like that. And I was like, duh, I know that. But something else is also wrong. Then he asked me something I'd never thought about before. Are you sure you weren't roofied? And I knee-jerk reaction said no, and he said the doctor equivalent of like, okay, whatever, and I was discharged and went home. That was really annoying, but okay. I wasn't there to solve whatever was happening. I was just there to get hydrated and go home, and also drive my friends home because they had been waiting for me for a very long time. That whole day was embarrassing. It was horrible physically, and it made me swear to never drink again. But we've all done that, right? We've all had a terrible hangover and swore we were never drinking again. It's an empty promise, usually. 
But as I drove away from the hospital, I finally felt it sink in. I felt a new permanence. I would never drink again. We've all had embarrassing nights out or hangovers. Even sober, I've had embarrassing nights out, and now I have nothing to blame it on. It's just my personality. But that doctor's question rattled around in my head. It was the fact that I had ended up in the hospital. It was the feeling I got when we pulled into the hospital parking lot and I threw open the car door before the car had come to a complete stop just so I could dry heave onto the pavement. I didn't know why this was happening. Maybe I was drugged. Maybe this kidney condition that I had as a kid that I thought had been resolved was back with a vengeance. Maybe I'm just not built to drink. And so, in the car, in a quiet moment, I said out loud, louder than ever before, I'm never drinking again. That was six months ago. My current relationship with alcohol is that I don't drink. I could drink, I guess. I'm not sure what's physically happening when I drink, but it's not good. I identify as lowercase sober. I'm not capital S sober. I'm lucky and privileged in that I came to my sobriety through an active decision to impact my health, not through the complicated journeys of addiction and recovery. I'm lowercase sober. No, not sober curious, not sort of sober, not dry January sober. I'm sober, just not capital S sober. I've had to relearn behaviors, unlearn toxic patterns, and do a lot of work to be in the healthy-ish place that I am right now. I thought I could just stop drinking and that would be it, but it's more than that, as it is with a lot of people when they stop drinking. One of my biggest concerns with this podcast is someone listening in and thinking that I think that I'm some sort of special case. I don't. I think what I'm experiencing is way, way more common than we're led to believe. Lowercase sober means I could possibly drink without it costing me much. It would not signal a relapse or quote-unquote falling off the wagon. I mean, it would cost me something. My hangovers are weird and horrible and frankly I wouldn't wish them on anyone. As I mentioned at the top, they often involve throwing up for 24 hours no matter how much I drank the night before. They're unforgiving. Not that normal hangovers are a walk in the park, but I never thought three glasses of wine would sentence me to a day curled up on the floor of my bathroom. So my body doesn't process alcohol like a normal body does, probably. Maybe? Is there a normal way to process alcohol? Here are my best guesses as to why I have what I consider an abnormal reaction. Number one is very simple. I'm short. I can't drink as much as other people, but I get served as much as other people. Number two, I don't know why, but two drinks sometimes equals alcohol poisoning. Sometimes I'm fine. The hypothesis of the moment is that it's related to a kidney condition I had as a kid that we thought was resolved, but like, who knows? Number three, I might be allergic to something in some liquor somewhere, but it's not really worth it to me right now to find out. I've chosen to stop drinking instead of pursuing anything with a medical professional, and maybe that'll change in the future, but for now, I'm just not going to drink ever again. I can have things like kombucha, I can have other fermented beverages with low amounts of alcohol, and food made with alcohol, I just can't have a drink. So maybe drinking alcohol just opens me up and makes me vulnerable to other things that my body is intolerant to, and, and maybe one of those things is being drunk. Oof. I can't even say it. We're just going to move on to the next part. To be totally honest, I stopped drinking for a few reasons, one of which was my health. Another is that question from the doctor, because while I said no in the moment, and I genuinely believe that I wasn't, 
I can't say for certain I've never been, and that's scary. Nothing happened, thank God, and I can remember much of that last night that I drank, except for, weirdly enough, a trip to an ice machine. But there was a small part of me that realized I had no idea if I'd ever been drugged before, which, as a woman, is just one of my worst general fears. And even though, after recounting the night's events with my friends, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I hadn't been the night before, that doctor at that random hospital made those fears real. I have some amazing memories associated with alcohol, but to be honest, a lot of the weirdest and scariest moments of my life were when I was drinking. A lot of the worst mistakes I've ever made have been when I was drinking. And thankfully, none of what I'm about to describe is sexual assault, but that's purely luck of the draw. To be honest, and to be a little confrontational here, you probably know someone who has been sexually assaulted while drinking. You definitely know someone who has been sexually assaulted drinking or not. And you definitely know someone who has been sexually harassed while drinking. I have been, so now you know one more person. Sexual harassment includes catcalling, making unwanted sexual advances or remarks, or overly sexualizing somebody when they don't consent to it. I've had men tell me in bars that they want to strip me naked, and I didn't even know their name yet. I've had people make me so uncomfortable coming on to me that I left not only the party, but the campus the party was on. I've had drunken strangers catcall me and my friends, follow us, and made us duck into a hotel and hide behind the counter to wait them out. We didn't even talk to them. We were totally sober when that happened, but they had gotten so close to us we could smell how many drinks they had had. And all of this is normal to an extent. I'm sure you've seen this happen. I'm sure you've participated in turning a blind eye at some point in your life. I'm sure maybe you've intervened. Maybe you've hid people behind the counter of your store while they try to avoid creepy men twice their age who are following them. But also, maybe you've made drinking spaces unsafe in a different way. Started a fight in a bar, been a dick to someone, overreacted to something small, made a friend feel uncomfortable, insisted your group stay in a place that they didn't want to be, been too aggressive towards someone and woken up the next day to remember how shitty you were. Maybe you've been on the receiving end of all of this. Maybe you've texted your ex. Maybe your ex texted you. Maybe there's big things and small things and medium shitty things that you've seen or done while drinking. So I can't say with total certainty that I haven't ever been drugged, but I've been careful. I don't drink anything poured out of my view. I don't drink things after I put them down. I am vigilant, or I like to think that I am. Now I'm going to talk very briefly about the mistakes I've made drunk, because honestly, if I could talk about them in detail without feeling a ton of shame, this might be its own episode. But... There are things I've done drunk that I can't take back. Small things in the grand scheme of the world and my life, but still. Letting down friends, pursuing people I shouldn't have, creating situations in which I would end up hurting people, missing deadlines, forgetting promises I made. I'm not proud of any of that. And it was really hard to forgive myself because I was never comfortable blaming my actions while I was drunk on the fact that I was drinking. It felt wrong to say, oh, well, I was drunk but I decided to drink and I decided to do whatever it was that I did, which again was never something capital H horrible, but it was all horrible to me. There's this idea that alcohol makes you brave, but honestly, I think alcohol just took away a compass for me. Call it a moral compass, an ethical compass, a North Star. It took that guiding thing and put it just out of my reach, leaving me a little unguided and messy and ungrounded. I've never felt so out of control of my life as I did during the years I drank. 
And honestly, that's not fun anymore to me. Another one of the reasons I've stopped drinking is I can't stop thinking about how alcohol is technically a drug, and we don't always treat it that way. It's classified like marijuana or cocaine, but like marijuana in 11 states, alcohol is legal in all 50 for everyone over the age of 21 to use. Despite its potential to cause death, disease, and lasting injury, alcohol permeates many facets of American culture, and our cultural relationship is further complicated by things like the American Prohibition, the founding of our country on tenets of Puritanism, the way we make frank conversations about alcohol a little bit taboo for, well, pretty much everyone, and also sprinkle in the lack of comprehensive mental health care in this country, and it's just a shit show. It's normalized in film, TV, theater, and even workplaces. The first play I ever wrote, all the characters talked about drinking. Think about any scene in any medium, TV, film, that you've ever seen a character take a drink because it's in every superhero movie, every sitcom, every drama, every comedy, even kids' shows. You hear people say, I need a drink, I deserve a drink. Had a few with lunch. Just one more, come on, don't make me drink alone. And I frankly don't care if you're like, oh, well, that didn't affect me at all, because it fucked me up. (laughs) Because of this normalization of drinking, my relationship to alcohol is so flawed that it seems so typical to drink as an adult and so atypical to not. I am the outlier. I am not the norm. It is weird that I'm not drinking, or that's how it feels to me. Compound that with where I live right now. I live in New York City, where a very normal, not strange statement at all to say to someone that you want to hang out with is, hey, want to grab a drink? We grab drinks before shows, after shows, at intermission in the lobby, after work, before our shifts, sneak one in at lunch, before brunch, after brunch, before dinner, after dinner before, during, and after going out dancing. We grab them at the airport in the morning before our flights just because we can. We sneak tall boys and brown bags around the subway just because we can. I've had people tell me to my face, if there's no liquor, there's no reason for them to show up. Alcohol has been so normalized in the workplaces I've had for the past three years, and I've had a few, that people would openly decline invitations to company events and trainings just because there's no open bar tab. And here is where I remember to put the disclaimer that all the opinions in this piece are my own, not a reflection of any company that I currently work for, but I would be remiss not to mention any of this. I feel like an outlier. So what do I do when people ask me to bars to hang out? What do I do when people ask me if I want to grab a drink? I'm honestly still figuring that out. If you look at it logically, the only thing that's changed is I'm not drinking. But also, bars are kind of boring when you're not spending $50 on shots with your friends. And sometimes, and this might seem a little harsh, your friends turn out to be boring all the time, including when they're drunk. You being drunk was the only thing that made them interesting. And sometimes you discover the people that you're meant to hang out with don't care about you drinking or not. They just want to make sure that you're still involved. Real friends and real people won't drop you because you don't drink. And I was so scared that they would. Isn't that silly? But so many of my relationships, professional and personal, were built on alcohol-fueled events and parties, drunken rants galvanizing the first building blocks of friendship into the foundations of companionship and true platonic intimacy. Sobriety feels like rebellion sometimes. I work in three very alcohol-centric industries, three work-hard-play-hard arenas, marketing, theater, and music. In the book Sober Curious by Ruby Warrington, she describes a fear of missing alcohol, or FOMA. 
derivative of FOMO, the fear of missing out. It describes the anxiety and pressure we feel when we don't take part in alcohol at an event. Will people even notice I'm not drinking? Will I be obsessing over my phone if I'm not drinking? Am I less interesting when I'm not drinking? Etc. Etc. When the whole industry is out making plans over casual drinks or at parties near the bar, I also start to wonder if I'm missing out on work. My FOMA started to have potentially real consequences. My anxieties about this remind me of that Friends episode where Rachel's boss smokes cigarettes and keeps giving assignments to that other girl who smokes cigarettes. So Rachel lies and says that she also smokes just to stay in the conversation when they go out on smoke breaks. It's like that, but instead it's company happy hour, grabbing a drink after rehearsal, grabbing a few before we go to a friend's gig. It's not about my social life anymore at that point. It's about my livelihood. And maybe that's a little bit unfounded and and built on nothing, but it's a real concern that I have. As my anxiety waxes and wanes in drinking spaces, I'm finding myself more comfortable with the social etiquette of being apologetic about my sobriety. It feels as if I'm always making other people feel better because I am sober and they are not. I am here to say, I'm different and special, and you don't have to be sober just because I am. I am different than you. Your situation is fine, which is bullshit, really. I know at least 15 people who probably should stop drinking or at least cut down. It's affecting their professional, romantic, and personal lives, including their relationships with me, and I am not here to try and make that decision for them. But censoring or changing the facts about my relationship to alcohol to make them feel better is exhausting, and people get really weird. John Mulaney, who, if you don't know who he is, he's a comedian who is also famously sober, talks for a bit in his 2012 special New in Town about his sobriety. The part that makes me laugh the most is how people don't know what to offer you at parties if you don't drink. So if you're interested in watching it, pause this. It's on Netflix. It's around the 36-minute mark on the special. But it's not that important, so honestly, just know it's funny. You can watch it later. Basically, he has a point. People, even the most well-intentioned people, will, like, break their brains trying to figure out how to entertain you if you don't drink. My own fun complication is that I also don't eat dairy, which means a lot of traditional party foods are off-limits for me. Charcuterie boards, fried cheese things, nachos, dips. So my friends will, like, offer me wine and beer because they want me to still feel included, but... They'll also tack on, oh, and I have the seltzer water, and um, do you want these um, olives or these berries I had stuffed in the back of the fridge that are getting kind of fuzzy? If you watch Mulaney's joke and come back and listen to this bit, you'll realize he tells it better, and they're also very similar anecdotes. This just seems to be a very universal thing. This podcast is honestly not about trying to comfort the people in my life because I'm newly sober, but... If I show up to your party, and I can't eat or drink anything except water, and I stick around for more than five minutes, chances are I came to your party to hang out with you, and I don't really care about anything else. Truly. But also, like, maybe if you know I'm coming to your party and you care a little bit about me, make sure you fill up your Brita pitcher, and I'll make sure I take my shoes off or follow whatever rule that you have for your apartment. If there's nothing for me, I may keep my shoes on the whole night just to spite you. Just kidding. Of course. Probably. I had been getting pretty fed up with basically apologizing to people that I was sober at their parties in new fun roundabout ways when a friend of mine, who has also had long bouts of sobriety, sent me a link to a video by this YouTuber, Angry Jack, called Why Are You So Angry Part 2. It's part two of a larger series about the vitriol and explosion of internet rage surrounding Gamergate. 
but this video hits on a few really specific and relevant points about defensive anger. The most relevant point of which is about people who start to get defensive when you tell them that you don't drink. You know the type. The people who start listing the reasons they still drink and validating the reasons you stopped drinking. They're only doing it because they're afraid you're judging them for drinking, even when you're definitely not. And they're afraid that you heard the same voice that's zooming around in their head telling them it's maybe time to cut back. But you didn't. Here are a few things I've learned I have to do. Just give them distance. Let them figure it out for themselves. And if they get hostile towards me, remember I can always just leave. Which is a wild concept in itself. We're all adults if you're listening to this podcast. This isn't even about drinking. This is just about, like, I don't know, being a human being. We can all just leave. If you're at a party and it's safe to just leave, just do it. It's my new favorite party trick, leaving stone cold sober in the middle of an event, going home and having plenty of time and mental capacity to do six more things before bed, and avoiding the drawn out, apologetic, defensive conversation about why I don't have a drink in my hand or why the drink in my hand is water, or to do the emotional labor of telling someone it's fine that they're drinking and they're doing the best they can when they're four shots in and complaining about their ex with no plans to stop. That will never not sound judgy because of its subject matter, but I promise you I'm not trying to be. There was so much I miss about drinking alcohol that is just about drinking alcohol. I actually liked the taste of whiskey. I liked not being able to feel my face or see straight. I liked the way that alcohol made my glasses useless after a few drinks because my eyes just sort of went sideways. I liked the way it didn't make me care so much about accomplishing things. Not that I have to be productive all the time, but that's very much ingrained in my personality. I finished the mundane parts of my to-do lists now. And I would be remiss to say that wasn't due in part to having a few extra hours every Friday night to get boring housework done. It's funny to try to remember how it feels to be drunk, because when you're drunk, your memory isn't quite as good as it is sober. So even five months away from my last drink, it still feels like a dream that I had. My head full of liquor, my stomach full of useless water, my head then full of fire the morning after. Throwing back water in between drinks is like trying to drunkenly crack cold fusion. I'll never get it quite right, especially as I start to conveniently forget how to drink water and only remember how to drink gin and tonics. FOMA doesn't just apply to my job, to work, or to parties where I fear missing alcohol in my hand. I also just fear I'm missing out on some great, big, adult social milestone. For so long, I let alcohol dictate my age, my maturity. I drank whiskey neat. I wasn't doing that because I liked it. I was doing that because I had something to prove. And honestly, now, as I sip Diet Cokes and seltzers in the corner of parties, at office happy hours, and in my own apartment when I have friends over... I feel a twinge of embarrassment, that I can't hang, that I can't be like other adults, that I somehow regressed. It's all bullshit. It's all utter bullshit. It's just something I wish I had wise words about how to get over, but honestly, it's just societal expectations I haven't quite unlearned. I'm figuring it out. I wish I had something more helpful to say. Basically, I don't drink anymore, full stop, for many reasons that doctors question my general intolerance. So I'm just figuring it out. This is all pretty new still. By the time I'm recording this, it's been about five months since I stopped drinking. Five months. And it's been the easiest decision with the most silently stressful and wonderful consequences. On the next episode of Lowercase Sober, we're going to talk about friendships, sex, and alcohol. So please stay tuned for that dropping next week. If you want to reach out to me, 
feel free to shoot an email to lowercasepodcast at gmail.com. There's a list of resources in the description of this episode in case you're interested in talking to a professional about your alcohol use. I hope you have a good night or a good day, good morning, good weekend, whatever is happening when you're listening to this. Thanks so much for listening. Love you. Talk to you soon. My name's Izzy D'Esposito. I scripted and said all the words you're hearing right now. I also edited this podcast and composed the music that you're listening to. Love you. See you next time.